Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good morning. Breaking news. Devastation in New Orleans. A deadly tornado rips through the city and its lower ninth ward. The desperate warnings. Folks, this is something I hoped I would never see. Moments before homes and businesses are leveled. The frantic search for survivors now underway, and this morning we're there live. Plus, Al's forecast as the threat of severe weather moves east. High stakes. President Biden heading to Europe this morning, planning new sanctions against Vladimir Putin's regime and a possible major announcement on U.S. troops in the region as Russian forces close in on Ukraine's capital. The latest in a live report straight ahead. Supreme Court showdown. Ketanji Brown Jackson defending her sentencing record on day two of her confirmation hearings. But you a discretion Once. judge. You admit that, right? I just want to be clear. Senator, sentencing is a discretionary act of a judge, but it's not a numbers game. Just ahead, the Republican line of attack, the moment that led Senator Lindsey Graham to storm out, and the new questions Judge Jackson will face today. Breaking overnight, a black box now recovered from that Boeing 737 crash in China, but badly damaged. Will it still hold the keys to solving the mystery behind that deadly accident? Those stories, plus morning jolt inside Starbucks plan to move away from paper cups and what it could mean for the cost of your daily caffeine fix. And Mountain Mamas. Jimmy Fallon breaks out guitars during our visit to The Tonight Show. And we are in almost heaven today, Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today at 7 a.m. on the West Coast. We are glad you're with us on this Wednesday morning. We sure are. Last night really did happen. We got to <laughs> sing with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. But we do want to start with that breaking news out of New Orleans. A deadly tornado tearing through just east of the uh, Lower Ninth Ward, an area known for being hit hard by Hurricane Katrina that happened nearly 17 years ago. It was just one of several tornadoes reported in the last 24 hours as a major storm system makes its way across the south and yet another round of severe weather is expected today we've got it all covered including al's full forecast and the president of saint bernard parish will join us live but we'll start with nbc sam brock on the ground sam good morning Savannah Hoda, good morning. One confirmed fatality so far. Frankly, it is a miracle that that number is not higher given the extent of the damage. That used to be a church behind me. There were homes here. Cars flipped over on their sides and on their fronts as there are crews on the ground at this moment trying to clean things up. The governor of the state of Louisiana just did a flyover over the impacted region as we're now learning more stories of survival. It is huge. With streets in shambles. I heard like like a wind I've never heard before. This morning, darkness blanketing blocks as New Orleans once again staring into the face of a deadly natural disaster. There it is. You can see it. Okay, folks. 
Get to your safe place. Our affiliate WDSU warning residents to take cover as a terrifying black funnel cloud formed over the city on live television. For more than five minutes, the twist are tearing through the lower ninth ward in nearby Araby. Those who survived the ordeal, just grateful. My husband was laying on top of me and my son, and I just kept thinking, just get us through this. The damage going for as far as the eye can see, with lives completely upended in just minutes. Neighbors desperately search the streets for a missing pet as search and rescue teams go door to door and car to car. Just checking on you. Checking on this community that has already endured the wrath of Katrina in 2005, Hurricane Ida last year, and now another tornado. The storm's sheer force enough to yank this home off its foundation. I'm going to say anywhere approximately 50 to 60 feet. It comes one day after nearly 30 twisters terrorized Texas, ripping the roof right off of a school where hundreds of kids hunkered for safety, claiming a life and injuring dozens. More tornadoes popping up in Alabama, Mississippi, and of course here in Louisiana, where in hard-hit Araby, Tony Vitale did whatever he could to protect his family. We laid down right there. The 46-year-old has insulation hanging from a bedroom and bricks everywhere. But he says nothing was going to happen to his wife and son. I grabbed my wife and my kid and we laid on the floor, waited for it to pass over. After that tornado passed, Tony got up, put on his boots, went outside, rescued a neighbor who was trapped underneath debris, then went to the next house and rescued another neighbor. Savannah, right now there's a shelter that's open for those who are displaced. As we know, there's three survey teams on the ground looking at the damage. Savannah. Back to you. All right, Sam, thank you. Yeah, the heroics of the people in St. Bernard Parish and all around New Orleans on display. Earlier this morning, we were joined by the president of St. Bernard Parish, Guy McGinnis, and we started off by talking about that number that Sam reported on, one person who died. We asked Mr. McGinnis if he had had a chance to assess the damage and if he thought that number could possibly go up. Here's what he had to say. We, we had a chance overnight. First of all, th thank you for checking in on us. Um, it's kind of sad. We, we're used to this kind of stuff, and um, we, we're going to recover here real soon when the light um, hits our parish here. But, you know, we, we assessed overnight. We still have the one confirmed death. We only had seven people show up at the hospital with minor injuries last night, and when you see the path of this tornado, that is an absolute miracle um, what happened. So um, we're going to do another assessment when daylight hits and uh, we don't have any reports of missing people. So that's a good thing. We don't think we're going to find anyone else. But we have a shelter, like Sam said, um, for people who are displaced and we're going to find out all of those needs once we get into the day daylight here. Our sheriff's department and our fire department are out doing assessments. Um, we're going to get all of those numbers. We're going to find out what our needs are. The overwhelming support from the region, um, from organizations, from federal, state, and local officials is amazing. And we're going to manage all of that and make sure that our citizens uh, um, can live somewhat normal today um, during the cleanup. And let's talk about the devastation. I mean, just looking behind you is mm -hmm. astonishing. What have you seen as you've walked through the night and, and, and checked on the, the, the areas there in your parish? You know, guys, we, we don't have tornadoes much in South Louisiana. We're used to hurricanes. We're just recovering from Ida and Zeta, and, and we're still recovering from Katrina. Um, 
You know, we see houses that were lifted off of their foundation and sitting in the middle of the street. Yeah. We have swaths of streets that are total devastation. Um, there are no more homes there. Um, but you know, the spirit of our people, the resilience of our citizens will um, shine through today like we always do. You know, it's the largest growing city here in Araby, uh, in St. Bernard Parish, in our nation before the census. And um, I have no doubt that that, that spirit um, um, will, will come through today once we get to see one another and, and start helping out our neighbors. I can attest to the spirit of the folks in St. Bernard Parish. Pretty amazing. Um, there was warning, which I was wondering if the warning is accounting for the low numbers. Did people know exactly what to do and where to go when that warning hit? You know, uh, Hoda, the, the uh, uh, preparedness of, of the, the region, people got off of work early, school let out early, so everyone was hunkering down at home, everyone got the messages on their phone, but the technology with our local weather station was spot on. We knew that hurricane, that the hurricane, we knew that that tornado was coming, where it was going to hit, and the direction that it was going. So I think everyone was prepared. It's, it's an testament to only, um, you know, I don't want to say only, one death is too many. But when you see the destruction here uh, later on today, you, you, you're going to see, um, you, you're going to know that that's a miracle. Yeah, it sure is. St. Bernard Parish President Guy McGinnis. Guy, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. The best to everybody in your parish. And uh, we thank you so much. And again, there is the potential for more severe storms today. We're going to get to Al's forecast in a bit. We will. Also this morning, the president is traveling to Europe for an emergency NATO summit focusing on the war in Ukraine as Russia's invasion ends its first month. We've got two reports for you this morning. We'll start in Kiev with NBC's chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. One month into this, and few around the world anticipated that the Ukrainian forces would still be in a position to be fighting back, to hold on to their country. But they are fighting back. This country still remains firmly in Ukrainian hands. And despite more Russian attacks, uh, including in Kyiv overnight, the Russian advance is stalled. Russian troops have not been able to break into the city, and U.S. officials say that Russian forces, their advance is confused, it is disorganized, and that Russian soldiers lack everything from ammunition to clothing. Russia bombed more apartment buildings in Kyiv this morning, attacking civilians to try to bring this city to its knees and force the government to surrender. Russia has significantly intensified its attacks in and around Kyiv over the last 24 hours, leaving more and more homes across the city like this one, as Russian forces are actively now trying to encircle the Ukrainian capital. Barbara, a resident and community volunteer, said Russia attacked here around 8 this morning and has already bombed the neighborhood four times. Russia seems to have a plan. Its forces control two large areas, one north of Kyiv and another pocket to the east. Russia is trying to expand both to strangle the city. But Ukrainian forces are not allowing that to happen, recapturing a key suburb yesterday in a counteroffensive. And they're inflicting heavy Russian losses. A U.S. military official says Russia has now lost 10% of its combat power in Ukraine 
and that Russia, anticipating a quick victory, only packed for a short fight, its troops lacking food, fuel, and even warm clothing. Some soldiers taken out of the fight with frostbite, while Ukrainians remain in high spirits. Musicians playing for residents as they filled sandbags in Odessa to defend the city from a possible Russian beach landing from the Black Sea. They're preparing here because they've seen what's happening not far away in Mariupol, where Russian troops did surround the city and have been attacking it increasingly from ships offshore. President Zelensky said 100,000 people remain trapped in Mariupol, less than a third of the population. He accused Russia of attacking humanitarian corridors, open to allow the full evacuation of the city. President Zelensky and other Ukrainian officials also accuse Russia of taking Ukrainian citizens hostage, of taking refugees and diverting them to Russia, potentially to use them as bargaining chips, perhaps to uh, negotiate the release of Russian prisoners at a later date. All right, Richard Engel in Kiev for us. Richard, thank you. Let's focus now on President Biden's high-stakes trip to Europe. NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welcome. She's already in Brussels, where the president will arrive a little later today. Uh, Kristen, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. President Biden departed for Brussels a short time ago under pressure to deliver real solutions to help Ukraine and deter Vladimir Putin. Now, the president will attend an emergency NATO summit here in Brussels tomorrow, where he'll meet with the leaders of 29 NATO countries. Ukraine's President Zelensky is expected to join virtually. Now, as he left, the president told reporters the possibility of Putin using chemical weapons is a, quote, real threat. White House officials say the president and allies will announce a package that will include more sanctions and more aid. And NBC News has learned overnight the president may also announce the U.S. plans to permanently maintain an increased number of U.S. troops deployed to NATO countries. The president's final stop will be in Poland to thank them for sheltering refugees. Hoda. All right, Kristen Walker, thank you so much, Kristen. Um, we turn now to Craig. Mm -hmm. as a, uh, we have the confirmation hearing of Judge Jackson. Now it'll be the third day today. Yes, Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Judge Jackson will be sitting for her second and final day of questions to become the high court's next. She faced hours of questioning on Tuesday, including including a few heated moments with Republican lawmakers. NBC's Garrett Hake is covering every twist and turn on Capitol Hill for us. Garrett, good morning to you. Hey, Craig, good morning. Yeah, Judge Jackson will be back today for what could be another very long day after a 13-hour session in the room behind me yesterday. She fielded questions about her personal life, about her judicial philosophy, and some questions that may have had more to do with the political ambitions of the senators asking. For Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, a marathon day in the Senate's hot seat. The 51-year-old federal judge, already an historic nominee, would become the first black woman on the Supreme Court if confirmed. I don't really have a justice that I've molded myself after or that I would. What I have is a record. Jackson preemptively addressing some Republican concerns that she was overly lenient in sentencing child pornography cases. As a mother and a judge who has had to deal with these cases, I was thinking that nothing could be further from the truth. Defending herself when pressed. But you had discretion, Once, Judge. You admit that, right? I just want to be clear. Senator, yeah. sentencing is a discretionary act of a judge. But 
it's not a numbers game. The judge also explaining her former role as a public defender, assigned clients including terrorist suspects at Guantanamo Bay. You are standing up for the constitutional value of representation. That topic causing a fiery exchange between Republican Lindsey Graham and Democrat Dick Durbin, with Graham storming out. Judge Jackson sidestepping some of the committee's most political questions, like whether she'd support adding justices to the Supreme Court. In my view, judges should not be speaking in to political issues. And dismissing some questions entirely. Texas Senator Ted Cruz asking about anti-racist books taught at a private school where she serves on the board. They include a book called Anti-Racist Baby. Do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that, that babies are racist? Senator, I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist. Democrats left last night's hearing confident that Judge Jackson will still have the votes she needs to be confirmed. If every Democrat sticks together, they can confirm her without any Republican votes. They're hoping to do so by Easter. Craig? Garrett Hick, once again in the room where it's happening. Garrett, thank you so much, sir. Uh, let's go back to our top mm -hmm. story. Those storms in the south and the severe weather moving mm -hmm. this way. Hi, Al. Morning. Hey, guys. Good morning. And we're watching these showers and thunderstorms and making their way to the east. Snow up through the Great Lakes. So we've got a lot going on today. Severe thunderstorm warnings down along the Georgia-Alabama uh, 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 borderline, I should say. A lot of heavy showers and thunderstorms making their way through the panhandle. 31 million people at risk stretching from Detroit, Indianapolis, Charleston, Wilmington all the way to down to Jacksonville and Panama City. Can't rule out a tornado or two. A little bit less of a risk tomorrow, but still, we've got storm hazards with wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour and an isolated tornado along the mid-Atlantic and southeast coast tomorrow. And, and as we move into today, this storm front pushes its way up to the east, makes its way into the northeast tomorrow with a mix of rain and snow throughout New England. We're looking for a few storms that could be really strong along the coast. The heaviest rain is going to be down along the Florida panhandle on into the southeast, upwards of four inches of rain. But we're looking at some pretty good downpours making their way from the Delmarva Peninsula along the New England coast and inland sections of upstate New York. And we are also looking at six to eight inches of snow, UP of Michigan and on down east Maine with anywhere to six to eight inches as well there. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank, thank you. Al. And coming up, we have breaking news this morning on that tragic Boeing 737 crash in China. One of the black boxes was recovered overnight, but it is badly damaged. Will investigators be able to use it to determine what caused that crash? Tom Costello has the latest. Do it again. And he's in a flight simulator this morning to better understand what that crew may have faced. Plus, they just released photos from inside Bob Saget's hotel room, raising new questions about the beloved comedian's death. But first, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. So Come many on. hidden talents. I had Come the craziest on. dream last night. <laughs> yeah. So is that many it? hidden talents. Okay, we're back, guys. Uh, the Tonight Show, it was so fun. Um, Savannah and I and Jimmy Fallon, we got to sing a, one of our favorite songs, Country Roads, Take Me Home. It was so fun. Like, you do, you think about those things, and you're like, how's that going to be? How will yeah. that be? First yeah. of all, we do know three chords, yeah. yes. but they're like, we'll just try. So we did... We're playing with the roots. Yes. It's like we went it from was... shy to like, hello, New York. <laughs> know. We're setting tour dates. And by the way, we had an it's... awesome audience, not just the audience, but uh, Bale and Charlie were there. Oh, yeah, my little they, kids. Oh, my God. They and Jimmy Fallon backstage oh, like a that. party. It was so fun. cute. I know. They were so fun. excited. They dogpiled me in the hallway yeah. right oh. after. It was insane. All I'm right. looking forward to seeing that full performance coming yeah. up in our next hour. <laughs> we'll have that. All right. We're going to start, though, with our 730 headlines. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton says she has tested positive for COVID-19. Clinton says she is feeling fine, but does have some mild symptoms. She says her husband, former President Bill Clinton, had tested negative and is quarantining until their household is fully cleared. Meantime, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also announced yesterday that she has tested positive for COVID-19. She says she will not travel with the president to Europe as planned. This is the second time Psaki has tested positive for COVID. An Oklahoma community is grieving this morning after a crash that left six high school students dead. It happened in the city of Tishomingo. That's about two hours south of Oklahoma City. The vehicle they were in collided with a semi-truck. It's unclear what may have caused that crash. Officials say the school will be open today, but staff members will focus on students' emotional well-being. Some stunning news from the world of tennis this morning. Ash Barty, the number one player in the world, announcing on Instagram overnight that she's retiring from the sport at the age of 25. That announcement coming just two months after Barty won the Australian Open. I'm so happy and I'm so ready and I just know at the moment in my heart for me as a person, this is right. Again, 25 years old. Uh, the three-time Grand Slam singles champion also saying it's time to, quote, chase other dreams. Well, she's achieved a lot of her goals, including winning the Australian Open in her own country, so she's ready to move on. We uh, go now to the latest on that fatal plane crash in China. Overnight, investigators recovered one of the plane's black boxes at the accident site, where all 132 people on board perished. NBC's Tom Costello has a unique perspective for us this morning on the plane's final moments. He's inside a cockpit simulator this morning, and Tom, I know you can shed some insight on what may have happened. That's right. Well, this is a, uh, a simulator for a 737-800. That's the exact same kind of plane that crashed. Chinese authorities now say that air traffic controllers noticed that the China Eastern plane was falling fast. Controllers tried to radio the plane. 
It got no, they got no response. There was no May Day. And now we may be one step closer to learning what happened. Breaking news this morning that could help crack the mystery of that shocking fatal crash. Chinese state media reports search teams on the mountain have found one of the plane's two black boxes at the crash site. That box could hold crucial information about the central mystery. Why did one of the world's safest passenger planes, a Boeing 737-800 cruising at 29,000 feet, suddenly go into a sharp, fatal nosedive? The last seconds caught on camera, hitting the ground in less than two minutes. New video this morning shows a depression in the ground apparently caused by the plane's impact. So we're at 29,000 feet and this is normal cruising altitude. At Dream Aero in Maryland, retired airline captain Mark Weiss recreated the final moments inside the cockpit. We're going down at 6,000 feet a minute now. Absolutely, look at your airspeed. Now I'm coming back with the throttles, but look at this. We're coming down and they came down almost straight down like that. Look at that. And it's getting faster and faster. Is this plane out of control now? Yeah, it would be. See, look. Captain Weiss get fought get to pull here. the nose up, but the plane was pushing 500 miles per hour. Can you pull out or is it too late? I've got 8,000 feet, but here's the mountains. I just hit the mountains. There's your answer. Veteran U.S. investigators say the crash raises many questions. When was the airplane last maintained? How did it fly on its previous flights? What was the experience of the flight crew? We still can't really rule out an intentional act here. And could the plane have suffered a catastrophic decompression at 29,000 feet, putting it into a fatal dive that cost 132 lives? Three years after two deadly crashes involving the 737 MAX, Boeing says it is fully cooperating with Chinese authorities on this latest tragedy involving a different plane. Think of how many seconds we had. You couldn't pull this out. You just don't have enough strength. Oh, that perspective is just devastating. And Tom, I know there were some indications that, yeah. that the plane had actually pulled up briefly toward the end, but then dived again. What do investigators make of that? This is very confusing how steep that nosedive was and some telemetry suggesting the plane pulled up and then went down again. But a lot of experts are skeptical of that data. They say, listen, it would have been nearly impossible, as Captain Weiss here demonstrated, to pull that plane back up again. The G-forces would have pulled the entire plane apart. Listen, they're also looking at the possibility, as we suggested in the story, that some, somebody on board, maybe a pilot, could have intentionally crashed this plane. It is all speculation right now. There are simply no answers. They need to read out those black boxes. Yeah, there are too many questions this morning, Tom. Thank you. Up next here, uh, the first photos released from inside Bob Saget's hotel room and the headboard that could have caused his death. Some new details on that investigation right after this. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Hi everyone, I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. 
There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. We're back 740 in depth today and this morning new details from the investigation into Bob Saget's death. The authorities in Florida have released some new photos of the comedian's hotel room and while police have said very little about the investigation itself, the photos could provide some new insight. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has more on this story. Hey Miguel, good morning. Hi guys, good morning. The new photos show the hotel room in Orlando where Bob Saget's body was discovered. For the first time, we're now seeing the layout of his room where the comedian appears to have hit his head before going to bed and losing his life. The photos of Bob Saget's hotel room were taken shortly after his body was discovered at the Ritz-Carlton, inside his luxury room where police made entry after he never checked out. Investigators believe the comedian fractured his skull, perhaps hitting his head on this padded headboard or the carpeted floor before drifting off to sleep. The newly released images by Florida's Orange County Sheriff's Office, part of the investigation into the 65-year-old shocking and accidental death. The photos of the room show alcohol on the minibar seemingly unopened juice in the trash, and water on the nightstand. Officials have said in the past that drugs and alcohol were not involved in Saget's death. We have an unresponsive guest in the room. The autopsy determined Saget died after blunt head trauma and likely a fall backward, causing bleeding around the brain. The medical examiner saying the injury was most likely caused by something hard, covered by something soft, while hard edges like countertops, tables, nightstands, and other hard furniture have been ruled out. The headboard or carpet are possibilities. Investigators unable to make a definitive conclusion in the tragic January 9th accident. Saget's family has sued to keep further details of his death private, including photos and videos of him separate from those released yesterday. He was everyone's, you know, dear friend. Saget's wife, Kelly Rizzo, told Hoda Bob was thrilled to be back on the road doing comedy, taking this selfie with the hotel's valet hours before his body was discovered. The devastating tragedy, heartbreaking for the Saget family and the legions of fans who followed his storied career. He was just the best man I've ever known in my life. Police also released additional recorded audio interviews with people who spent time with Saget hours before he died. The folks who interacted with him say that he seemed to be in good and great spirits and nothing was off. After his comedy show, he drove about two hours to get to the Ritz-Carlton, and again, everything seemed normal despite the late hour. It's in that hotel room where investigators believe Saget hit his head, thought nothing of it, and went to bed. Guys, back to you. All right, Miguel Almaguer. Miguel, thank you. All right, let us go over to Al, and what do you got your eye on this morning? Well, we're talking temperatures. Uh, we got some warmth to talk about, which is kind of nice. Out west, where these record-breaking temperatures, again, San Francisco, Sacramento possible, San Luis Obispo, San Diego, Palm Springs, temperatures way above average. They continue tomorrow from Phoenix to Santa Barbara, up to Reno, Las Vegas, Yuma, Arizona, San Diego as well. Awfully warm. Temperatures stay 
stay warm for the next several days from Fresno, Vegas, Phoenix, and out here in the east. We are looking at really warm temperatures from Chicago, Cleveland, down to Wilmington. We look for that warmth to make its way to the east here in New York by tomorrow, 55, 73 in Washington. Not going to hang around, though, very long. Temperatures start to dive on the weekend. For Green Bay, Buffalo, look at New York City. We're going to be 48 degrees by Sunday. Same down in Washington, D.C., temperature about 50 degrees. And that is your latest weather, guys. Right, thanks, buddy. Coming up next here, a major shift at Starbucks. All right, so look at the coffee giant's plan to steer away from paper cups, how that change would work, and what it could mean for your order. But first, these messages. Now, back now with Carson Daly and a uh, big change that could be coming to your daily coffee mm -hmm. routine. That's right. Starbucks recently announcing plans to introduce reusable cups, and we're getting an inside look at exactly what that could look like. NBC's Jolene Kent got a sneak peek inside the coffee giant's testing lab. What's behind the curtain, Joe? Good morning. Hey, good morning, everyone. You know, this is the paper Starbucks cup that's become that status symbol. About 7 billion of them, though, wind up in landfills every single year. And now Starbucks says it wants to change that, promising to eventually replace it with this new plastic reusable one. Their white cups are iconic. And now Starbucks is brewing up lofty new promises for change, pledging to reduce the company's waste by 50% and eliminate all single-use packaging, like paper cups and cardboard sleeves, by 2030. Is this where all the secretive stuff happens? This is where we do all of our innovation. We went inside the testing lab at Starbucks headquarters with Chief Sustainability Officer Michael Kabori, where the company developed these new plastic cups they say can be reused up to 100 times each before they're recycled into new ones. We're trying to use our collective strength and power to create a better waste and recycling infrastructure throughout the country. To reuse the cup, Starbucks is testing a new kiosk like this all around the world. You take the reusable cup, you scan it, and then you return it. And then it's taken away to be cleaned and eventually reused. So far, the cups are being tested in a few select locations. In the meantime, Starbucks plans to encourage customers in the U.S. to bring their own cups by 2023 and eventually wash them in store. Anything you can put in a dishwasher, you can put in here. Starbucks chief marketing officer Brady Brewer says they don't want to sacrifice convenience. A lot of people are wondering, what about my mobile order? What about my drive through order when you've got a reusable cup? How will that work? We're figuring that out right now. Probably in the next five years, we'll figure out the solution. Then, in, then it's about scaling. But Starbucks has made many environmental promises over the years. Back in 2008, Starbucks announced a goal of 100% of cups being recyclable by 2015. That didn't exactly happen. So is this a goal that you think you can reach? Absolutely. Our customers are much more aware of and passionate about sustainability. Our baristas as well. Some environmental advocates are urging Starbucks to also improve how they handle the recycling bins you see inside cafes first. I would give Starbucks probably a D at best. It's projecting an illusion that they're doing some of these critical basics like recycling when in reality they often aren't. Fast forward to 2030, what does the Starbucks experience look like in terms of these cups? All stores have an option for customers in 2030 to be able to eliminate all waste. 
Now, this new reusable cup is for both hot and cold drinks, and the company tells us they don't have a hard date on when you'll actually see them in their stores because they're still, quote, working on getting it right. Now, when we asked them about that criticism of their record on recycling, Starbucks told me the current situation on recycling depends on where you live. They told me they're working on doing better. Guys. All right, we'll keep an eye on that one, Joe. Thanks so much. Yeah. You got seven years to adjust. Yeah, we'll away. Fair enough, guys. Coming up on Pop Start, we got a big one for you. We're going to take you inside a very special night in the lovely honor for our friend, the one and only Jennifer Lopez. Coming up next, your eight o'clock hour. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 